Thank you, one and all, once again for tuning in here to another episode of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. I am Matt Sanzala, and this is the podcast where I just kind of sit back, talk to my friends, maybe have a beer. I don't know. It's just a lot of real talk, no format, and it's basically a freestyle. Today, I've got a great friend of mine in the house, literally in the apartment. Okay, it is what it is. My brother, DJ Richard Henry. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Richard Henry is in the house. The hollerboard is about to fucking melt. It's about to get lit. It's coming back, man. The hollerboard is <laughs> going to just spring out of the grave just immediately right now. As soon as this hits the internet, it's going to go crazy. Ares and Cosmo are just sitting out there, chairs waiting. Soul strut, all that shit. <clears throat> it's coming back. <laughs> I do miss those days, I have to say, because, you know, social media is like, for everybody or something. And, and what, what I hate about social media is, is all the suggestions they give you. Like I'm looking through a feed and I'm like, I don't know this. I don't give a shit about this, but the holler board and message boards back then, that culture was like, if you wanted to be a part of it, you joined and you became a part of it. It wasn't just a bunch of randoms. It was people who had like a common interest that wanted to talk about some things. Oh, there was randoms in there and they got bullied and I watched it all the time. The people jump in there. I mean, Cosmo Baker gave me shit the first time I came in there and the first couple times and then we became great friends. So I don't know. It was low budget in there. Um, Dirty South Show was in there. Bird Peterson was in there. That guy dances with white girls. Yep. He was in there. Everybody picked on him. I mean, we had a whole crew. It was really cool. And, but it was just a place to share music, talk shit, act silly, promote what you had going on. And now it's like you put a flyer up on, on like Twitter, Instagram, or something, people might see it three days after the event. Yeah, I noticed that. It's like um, there was a whole entire flyer section on there on message boards. There's a um, there's a holler board. There's like local message boards. Oh, I miss the message board days. Yeah, I mean, it was so real and raw. For people who don't know what we're talking about, I'm gonna assume most of my listeners are old. But if you don't know what we're talking about, this was just a uh, very primitive form of social media where it's like if you had a website like the hollerboard was the hollertronics guys which is of course diplo and low budget and this was like connected to their website so anybody who was into that sort of thing they could connect into this little world and like for now i still post on the screwshop.com actually <laughs> it still exists and there's probably like 10 15 of us that talk shit about music that's awesome sometimes politics oh. there's some screwheads that are trumpers i don't know if you knew that no yeah they exist <laughs> And uh, it was really a funny thing to go from uh, talking about track lists on screw tapes to Trump versus whoever. And DJ Screw rolled over in his grave. Anyways, those were the days. And I believe I said this with DJ Dust and all this. Like, I remember a lot of things. Like, I have a pretty good memory when it comes to a lot of things. But I, I don't remember exactly how we met. I think we must have met through that sort of world of the holler board and you were the Austin dude doing the the parties. I was doing them in Houston, Scion, Red Bull, whoever else. Yeah. Um, it was pretty Fader. much oh, cornerstone magazine. Yeah. I remember them. Um, yeah, you were doing all the stuff in Houston. I didn't really know who you were. I just remember you posted all the time on the holler board and uh girl Roxy was always saying, yeah, Matt's cool. And, um, you're very opinionated. Yeah. And I was like, all right, opinionated people, I like them because they have a point to make. So I'm going to listen to them. Mm, and, and you hit me up about something about South by Southwest, helping do promo stuff a long time ago. I was like, who are you? And that was the end of that conversation. Mm. <laughs> and um, and we just ended up ended up meeting each other. I remember seeing me staying at your house waking up uh, after the Ghostface Killer show. I don't know if you remember that. Well, I remember you stayed there. I didn't remember exactly which show, but if I, my first year doing the South by stuff was 04, and I feel like I met yeah, you before that. Maybe. I feel like those science shows were, I mean, in that realm, but I think they started even sooner. And I don't know. Yeah, it started a long time ago. I don't know if you uh, remember, though. The, I used, I was at, the, at that time, I was working with this magazine called Feedback Magazine. It's yeah, I want to know more about it. I remember those days, and, and you brought that up. Like That brings back a lot of memories. Those are good memories. That's when stuff was like people gave a shit about music, not to this little cool. They actually came out to support the music and uh, actually got mixtapes or actually actually cassette tapes. Hmm. There were a lot of CDs too. There were CDs out there, but um, 
I just remember Damon, the owner of Feedback Magazine, says, hey, Richard, I got this hip-hop show. I got to take care of this guy named Pete Rock. Do you know who he is? Like, I heard of him. I don't really know much about hip-hop yet. And I didn't really get into hip-hop until, like, actually meeting him that night. I was mostly into punk rock and dance music and just trying to collect a check. Mm-hmm. And um, we did it at this small venue that got torn down. It was called Copa. It was, like, uh, Pete Rock ended up coming out playing, like, a little bit late. And it was this amazing beats the entire night. He's playing all everything on vinyl. I didn't know what white labels were back then, but he was playing original tracks on vinyl. And um, I think you were doing something similar, in the, like uh, on tour. And I met the people from Silence. Like, hey, we really like the crowd that came out. Can we just keep this going? I'm like, okay, cool. And things kept on escalating from there. Yeah, the first Silence show I ever did uh, was with uh, Pete Rock and DJ Premier in Houston, and it was at a venue that was like a Russian themed venue. I can't remember the name of it off the top, but I remember the, the room was really dope. It's so cool. It was kind of like sort of the edge of Montrose to third ward museum district area, but mm-hmm. not, I don't remember exactly where. And man, that's, that was an incredible night. Holland Mason opened up. That was my first time meeting those guys. And of course, mm-hmm. Jerry from Scion, who took a lot of us under her wing and helped us with a bunch of stuff back in the day. That was amazing. And uh, it, it's kind of started from there. I think that's where we, really started crossing paths because you did Austin, I did Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember I started cross-promoting your stuff just to be a homie to help out on Internet World, like message boards type stuff like that. And we just had similar friends, I found out. Like, we both got along with DJ Chill. You remember him? Of course I remember <laughs> DJ Chill. That's my fam. For real, we did the show together forever. I still, when I go to Houston, he's one of the main people I'm going to see. He's awesome. Yeah. How did you get into DJing? So what what was that trend? What what made you pick up some uh, records and turntables? Um, I got into DJing because there were so many. I just got tired of hearing people complain all the time. It's like, oh, I don't want to do an opening act. Like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I got it. You can play thirty minutes after me, so you're kind of not opening anymore. So I just hmm. ended up just doing like just playing records. I enjoyed it. I was I would not listen to myself DJ back then at all, hmm. but the tracks were good. But everyone just kept on coming out. I was like, okay, cool. I ended up doing my own thing after that. Well, when you mentioned the feedback, it's funny because when I was talking to Martin and Matt from Grammy Styles on the last podcast, mm-hmm. they brought up the band Sub Oslo. And I had seen Sub Oslo, but I didn't remember. I don't remember exactly where that was or what, but I remember I described it to them as like, it was a very Austin kind of event. Like it was back in the day where you just showed up at like some place that was not a bar could have been a house, but something, you know what I mean? It was just, but it was a party. Something was going on and this band was just playing like there wasn't a stage. They were just in the middle of everything. And um, I remember they blew me away back then. And that was, and now that you said that, I'm like, it was definitely a feedback party. Yeah. Feedback to like all kinds of events. They're primarily like dance music. Mm-hmm. And when I came into the picture and I was like, I got into it. I met this guy off a message board. I was looking for work. This came to Austin in 2001. And I was just trying to find odd jobs. And this guy's like, hey, I need somebody to help me put my parties and stuff. Like, okay. Went to his uh, residency at Red Fez, which is bulldozed over now. That's bulldozed? That's gone. Gone, gone. But Lucky, <laughs> Lucky Lounge too. Gone, gone. Damn. See, I don't really go downtown Austin very much. I'll tell you that right now. That's not too lucky right now. Matt Damn, Lucky, he's the right. guy that owns all the spots. I mean, Lucky Lounge on a good night was good. That was a cool night. That's what like started like um, like a bunch of hip hop like live music hip hop shows were at. Well, I mean, back in the nineties when it was harder to do like hip hop stuff downtown and stuff. I remember uh, Greg Carter who made the movie Fifth Ward. He was showing it in Houston, and I missed it. And he's like, "Well." I just hit him up like, how can I see your movie? I didn't know if it was good or bad or whatever. And I found him and I was like, he's like, man, set up a screening in Austin. So I was like, okay, let me think about it. I went over to Houston Tillotson and talked to someone in the film department or, and the guy, I I wish I remembered everyone's names, but uh, they set up a screening and I I feel like it had to have been around South by, or maybe it somehow, cause this is, I feel like it's before there was even a South by film festival. That's when it was good. Because we did a uh, party. Because I remember showing a movie at, at Houston Tillotson, but I did a party for the Fifth Ward movie during South By at the Lucky Lounge. 
I could still see the people who were in the house. Cool Nuts from Portland was one of the rappers that was in randomly in, in Austin for South by when there weren't very many rappers coming to South by. And he came to that party and DJ wicked. Cool. Also from Portland and a bunch of Austin dudes, you know, Smackola was in the house. I can remember that. And Smackola for some reason, like I, everywhere I go, like he's the, he's the dude I always see in the place. Mm-hmm. I got to get him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, to this day, you know, however many, 20 plus years later. And, uh, but yeah, the Lucky Lounge was crazy. Not that crazy, actually. It was kind of fratty at times. It was kind of There were nights. Kind of like fancy. In 2004, when we did that shit with, with Dizzy and Bun and everybody, the first time I booked the South by Stuff, uh, that day, Randall Jamail had a party for, at Lucky Lounge during the day with Slim Thug and Little Kiki for the album they put together. That small little venue. They for did that. together. It was during the day. Damo and Good Grief were the DJs. Bun and Dizzy met in that room at that moment for the first time. Yeah, at that show. That's insane. It was a day party. But didn't you do the whole entire thing? I was like, oh, that's why I also heard about you too. It's like when you started, like, I, I was like riding my bike by this like volleyball court during the South by, and there was like Dizzy Rascal out there playing. Like, who's doing this out here? Yeah, that was 2004 at Aussie's. Yeah. And the crazy thing of all the shit that's closed down in Austin, Aussie still exists. Yeah. It did recently, at least. I drove by and I was like, Aussie's, your <laughs> volleyball court in the middle of this is still there. Couldn't keep thread gills, but we got Aussie's. <laughs> the city's crazy, man. The Hooters is gone. Gone, gone. Right down by the Aussie's. Shit. So many changes. Yeah, a lot of the spots have got turned into like condos. Yeah, it's Condo Central. And, you know, speaking of that, excuse me, years ago when I still lived in Houston and I'd come to Austin, I remember going to the Mohawk and seeing those apartments, the condos that went up across from the Mohawk. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the start of the end, man. This is it. We're dead. Austin's dead. It's done. Never did I envision, like, you know, it's probably 20 years now, you know, 20 years later what it would be. In that sort of a time, how much the, the change has been, the growth, it's insane. Oh, no, it's like us. Um, it's like exponential growth. So it's like add water to one of those sponge things and just watch it grow. Mm. And um, it happened even during COVID because everyone's like just sitting there just thinking like, oh, what do we do? And we just do construction work and build more buildings because everyone's doing work from home stuff and eventually yep. they're going to do <clears throat> tech stuff. But people were spending, you know, the taxes and things in California are so expensive and the cost of living and all that. And then the way they locked down, the way they did, like a lot of people were like, okay, we're out of here. Oh, we can get on stage in Texas and do our comedy. We can't hear. Bye. They came. They're here. There's too much comedy in Austin. Stop coming over here for that shit. You're not funny. (laughs) That's uh, that's funny in itself. You're not funny. Richard said it. Thank God someone could say it. Richard said, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I mean, I like the Rick Baker interview. That's about it. Mr. Rogan, if you ever listen to this, but it's just, everyone's a comedian. I, uh, I've listened whenever somebody of interest, but I've never listened to it for three hours. There's no way, but, uh, I'll check it out sometimes. I'm not against anybody doing what they do, but you're right. I, I don't get a lot of the comedy. I mean, there's great comedians out there that, it's like it's one of those things with like rapping, DJing, building homes, uh, fixing cars, things like that. If you're really good at it, great. If you're not, chill. Don't come over here trying to fix my car. <laughs> and you don't know nothing. Neither do I. Jiffy Loop style. I don't know. My thought on that whole entire thing is it's either you're you're just born funny and you're just gonna be funny no matter what you do, you just don't try, or you're the type that's trying to be funny. If you're trying to be funny, you just let it go. Go find another hobby. Go work at a pet store or something. Well, just, I'm funny, and I don't want any part of it. I know. <clears throat> That's a, that shit is... Uh... Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, too, it's like freedom and stuff. Go do what you want. That's yeah. cool. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. I mean, go be a comedian. If you can get your ass on that stage, and it's not easy. No, that's some balls going up on there. But I think I've probably said it on the podcast. I say it all the time. Like Bad comedy is worse than bad music it's harder to walk out of a bad comedy thing than it is to a bad music thing. Cause you can that, slide out. Cause you feel bad. You're that one person you get up and you walk <laughs> out and you destroy them. And they're like, Oh shit. Another person walking out leaving on my stupid mom jokes. Yeah. And you know what else is a few times I've gone to like the nights where a bunch of open mics or a bunch of comedians get on, like the dudes who get on and they, they're reading off a piece of paper. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? It's like a rapper with no DJ. Well, there's plenty of that. 
Plenty oh. rapping over your lyrics and things. <laughs> I hate that. Well, throughout the years, though, I know you became, uh, first of all, I want to thank you for all the work you did with Crap Diggy, Mr. Kareem, my brother Chris. Thank you. May he rest in peace, man. I mean, you definitely kept him busy for a while, man, and he was mm-hmm. always, you know, the guy that he just wanted to be on them tables, man. And uh, But through that, I know, not just through him, but, like, you definitely stepped up your support for hip hop here in Austin and music in general, but I know you did a lot with a lot of the young artists here. Oh yeah. Um, it was just like, uh, there's like so many artists, even since like the, I just wanted to give a chance to people that gave me a chance. Cause there's so many people that it's like looked over. You have to like pay to play or things like that. But I just feel if you're like passionate, you should be able to pursue what you love. And there's like so much good music just sitting out there. And I was thinking, you know, what? I'm just going to start, Throwing my own events and um, just showcasing all these different um, acts and supporting them. And I, sometimes it broke even. It wasn't definitely like a career path, like, oh, we're going to make money off of this. Mm-mm. No, definitely not. It's just kind of more of a support. It's like, oh, cool, let's see how many drink tickets I could get tonight type thing. Yeah, that's the uh, drink ticket capital of the world we live in. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. I, um, you know, I used to book shows at my last, when I was, um, and towards the end, I, I I made it. So I told the groups, I'm like, if you want to do this, that's cool, but I'm just going to be free. I'm not charging. I'm not even going to try with these people anymore. I'm not going to be in in that room at the end of the night with these asshole club owners telling me this and that didn't happen when it was packed or it wasn't. Or, you know, I don't want to hear all that. So no. it became a goal to, like, bring people together. It was just that was the whole point. And that's, there's a lot of value to that, too. Yeah, it was definitely kind of like a chill and grill type type deal at most of the events. I got that from just seeing like locals like yourself doing stuff in Houston. I was like, oh, that's really cool. Matt's like doing all this stuff. He's got all these like random people. He's got a bunch of rappers and he's got like this experimental music playing. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, if you can turn somebody on to something new, that's that's the best, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. Somebody to show me something different, something yeah. new, you know. And it was just like... um. I don't know. I started doing a bunch of events at first by myself, like big acts. And I started kind of most, mostly uh, started focusing on more local acts in town. Like all these rappers. I met this guy. I was working at his job. His name is Clover. Mm-hmm. And we started doing all these local shows. And everyone's asking, Richard, why are you doing these local shows? I'm like, there's no money in it. I was like, I know it doesn't matter, but this is, it's just kind of doing a favor, helping them out and like getting their start out. And it's really cool. And I like seeing them happy on stage and it makes me happy. So, and it was also a reason for me to get out of the house, which I really like to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was like probably like an, an average about like, I was actually thinking about this on the car ride over here, an average about 60 shows a year. Jesus. That's a lot of flyers. It was kind of stupid. I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> well, I do remember <laughs> one in particular back in the day that we did, I believe kind of together. And I think about it all the time because <clears throat> when Big Fredia and Katie Red and all them came to South by Southwest, it became like Austin practically became the second home to bounce music. Like all these bounce people were coming through here. Not all these, but Big Fredia came all the time, but, um, and Baca Redu and people like that. But we fucking brought Ice Mike, one of the like real, real innovator inventors of the shit. Like, I mean, he's not alone in that by any means, but he was one of the early, early you know, New Orleans bounce, you know, dudes who was living in Houston. And we did an ice. Was Dirty South Joe on that too? No, Bird Peterson made the flyer for it. Yeah, but who else DJ? Uh, McCree. Cree, yeah. yeah. And but wasn't DJ Dirty Chill. South Joe involved in some no. way? DJ Chill came out and played it. Very literally. Tracy was the only person that came, I think. <laughs> Strawberry Show. Like, when I say that, she's I don't think. No, she's a big supporter. She's super cool. But like literally no one at all came to that. There was people there. Not I saw the really. pictures. I, I mean, okay, more than one person came, but like I don't know if ten people came. There was more than ten people there. It was I sad. remember this. I was pissed. I wasn't. But yeah, I knew you were pissed. I was like, I was like calling people come over right now. Like seriously, we're bringing a legend. Yeah. But then it, it grew and it became uh became like crazy here i mean how many times has freddy been to austin five thousand like three times a year easily yeah and of course i love her she's amazing but like that whole bounce thing became a thing man like here in austin 
But do you think it kind of faded out, like all that kind of street music back in the day, like Baltimore Probably. Club and all that stuff? And that well, yeah, a lot of things happen. I mean, Frida still goes strong. I mean, she's the one who's who's like, you know, it's it's, it's a thing. Like I've met Katie Red before. Mm-hmm. I was driving around New Orleans with her when we did Hip Hop um, Evolution, and she's a legend, man. She's one of the you know these people, but. And I don't want to talk shit, but I mean, almost like she kind of said to me a few things like, I ain't fucking with these managers doing this, trying to take my money. This, And I'm like, well, no, you have to pay. The manager has to get paid, too. So if they are actually doing the work now, I understand there's a lot of janky managers and stuff. But I remember the way she was kind of talking to me. I was like, you could have all the things that Fridia has, too. You're both legends, legends, you know, but it takes you got to be somebody who can work with the other work with others, work well with others. That's one of my problems. I don't work well with others, but um, <clears throat> that was a uh, man. Vodka redo that dude. I mean, she, they, Vodka's all over the place mm-hmm. with a crazy show, really dope, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, that was I, I'll never forget that bringing Ice Mike. I will. I did forget it for a while. I just remembered. Yeah, that was at the whiskey bar. Those are the that was whiskey bar. That's yeah, that's right. at the whiskey bar what? right next to like uh, Red Fez and over there in that little area. That was like a cool like um. That was like the little like hashtag upscale area for the DJs and stuff. And you come out here, you don't wear your um, no Air Force no Air Force ones here. Only Ferragamos wearing whiskey bar, mm. like you know whatever. But um, no, it was a cool little bar. They had a bunch of little scenes there. They had like DJs that played every night there. Um, it was a good spot. When did we have Dirty South Joe though? He played some beauty bar. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't know why I feel like he was on that damn Ice Mike show, but obviously he wasn't. He came down on a show a while back ago, and it was the same night that the Austin, um, what was it, like the Austin Film Convention. It was supposed to be a really good show. A lot of people were going to come out when, like, Bloghouse and all that stuff was pretty big back then. But the, Bill Murray came to town, and everyone went to the Bill Murray cave and hung out with Bill Murray hmm. instead. Story of our life. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that was the shit, though. I mean... Martin and I were talking a little bit about that era and like, you know, corporate America putting money behind I miss culture. It. I mean, it's so like, it was, I mean, I think social media fucked with that too because they just turned everything into like, okay, we have to focus on this. We have to make a TikTok presence as opposed to a real life presence. No, I completely support that. I think like real life presence is way more important than social media because you could turn a real life presence into a social media presence. And that's what they were doing at Coachella, like the last year I was at. Um, there was like um, like Elizabeth Chamberlain promoting her coffee brand out there, and she's a big internet persona. And it's turned into a, all these people were like just taking pictures and videotaping and Instagramming and all that crap. And the same thing goes with like um, magazine companies out there, like Nylon Magazine was out there doing a whole entire like fashion premiere out there from Palm Springs. Um, I still think it's still present though. But it's, it's not as present as it used to be. Everyone's just kind of like, say, oh, we need to go do an event. We, we don't need to do an event. We could save so much money just doing like a, a person with a blue check mark and just getting to do this stuff promoted on their Instagram or something. Yeah, I don't even know what the blue check mark is. I do sort of, but not really. I don't <laughs> know. Stuff. Because I got off it for two years and now I'm back on for the last five, four or five months, like February, I think. And, uh, it's nuts. Like, it's like a foreign language to me almost. And I look at it, I'm like, I didn't follow any of this. I don't know what this is. I report ads, like every ad, I just report it. Say it's offensive. <laughs> like oh, every I, ad. I, I tend to do that to rappers I don't like. I'm not going to say this one guy that was a rapper from Arlington, Texas. Mm-hmm. He did a song called Sunshine. Don't know. What happened? Um, you reported him? Well, I just reported him because I was drunk one night and just reported all his images as, like, threatening or something. It's not a boredom. Uh, I don't know. I'm not getting that deep. I'm not getting that person. I'm going to go after the corporate America, the whole corporate field, all of them, and try to go back as analog as possible. Oh, no, but I support, like, people need to, um, everyone's just take social media a little bit too much. I, like, they spend, like, all the time they spend so many hours just looking at like all these different little platforms. They could be going outside and do something else different. They could be going to a show instead. But it's like, how many concerts have you been to? You've seen like 
instead of lighters in the air, all you see is cell phones in the air. Well, now it's phones. That's like, it's crazy to me. But maybe it's good. Less people are smoking cigarettes. I mean, or bud. Oh, everybody's smoking that bud. Uh. <laughs> Up in the club. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, um, I don't miss coming home smelling like a pack of cigarettes. No. At all. That's what, that's our era. That's what we were doing back then. People were, we were talking, I was talking to Martin too about the camel parties and stuff where they'd oh, come really? around and you'd get a free pack that? of cigarettes yeah. or two. Stupid. Smoking inside clubs too. Yeah. Smoking indoors, coming home, having to put your clothes in the other room. You wake up the next morning, your bedroom smells like the club. That shit was crazy. So back to more music things. Cause like, I feel like when we met, we were surrounded by like this crazy energy of people. Like I think about people like Captain Jones. Mm-hmm. Do you remember those mixes? Mm-hmm. They were incredible. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> you mentioned Roxy. I mean, I had some of the best times in my life, best shows with someone like with her who freaking put in the work work. I look up like, to her as a promoter. I was like, wow, I respect her grind. Yeah. And it's like, I was telling Damien, like, who's this rock? She, he quit the magazine and kind of tr- didn't turn it over to me. He gave me the promotion aspect of it. He said, all right, here's what you need to do. Throw events. You're on your own here. Like, um, leave the nest, fly like the Eagles. And I'm like, didn't fly like kind of like flew like a goose mm-hmm. but and so i was like, telling him like hey i just girl on the internet on this hollerboard she just pumps out these parties they're fun people are taking pictures at them they look really cool i respect her grind i used to look up well, i mean yeah you talk about 60 shows in a year like she was doing three four or five a week crazy shit yeah yep i gotta get her on here yeah, so I'd like to hear her on here. I don't want to do the Zooms. I mean, I will if I have to, but like I'd Get rather fly you do it in person. I mean, she's in South Carolina now, living the life. What? She, her family had a, a Myrtle Beach beach house that she went down to renovate during the COVID, during the pandemic. She took off out of New York and just went down there to do all that. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Living it up. Never been to Myrtle Beach. I was there back in like the punk rock tour days of the early nineties. That was, you know, that, that area, there were lots of little towns that would book, you know, nobody, you know, like just little young indie bands like around, it'd be crazy. You could do like 10, 15 cities in Florida that you never even heard of. Gainesville. Yeah. Easily Gainesville, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Orlando, Tampa, Crystal Beach, all kinds of places. Just weird little, you know, little bar that would have a little band. And Myrtle Beach was always a stop. Hmm. And it was um it was pretty raw, you know, for what it was, you know, a little raw East Coast, <laughs> South Carolina beach. But the shows were good. Damn, it's crazy though. Yeah, for sure. The uh <clears throat> what else? What other shows were of very from much merit and note? I mean back then it was like when you were doing that stuff over there in Houston, I was doing that stuff in uh, Austin, like all the magazines you throw in events as well too. Like Herb Magazine was having events. Herb, man. The um, I was messing with like the some of the fashion magazines doing stuff for Nylon Magazine. Mm-hmm. They were having events and I was helping them out with this group, the store is called Factory People. God, Factory Austin, People, man. That was some crazy fun. That shit. was the, the the place that got in trouble from South by and <laughs> yeah. started all the the sorry the the uh, unofficial party controversies. Yep. Um, That's, but they had some parties on that roof. Uh-huh. That was dope. Uh-huh. Does that place exist? Not factory people, just the building exist? The building's still there. It's like, um, I don't know, I like to bike ride by there just for nostalgic purposes yep. in South Congress. But it's like something different. It's like an O'Neill store or something like that. Okay, yeah, it makes some, sense. Some corporate kind of Santa Monica vibe. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, Raymond Roker's like the head of Amazon Music now. Speaking That's of insane. Herb, that was Herb, right? Yeah, yeah he Herb. was Herb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Sion was contracted from Herb Magazine, Raymond Roker, at first. What? Crazy. Yeah. Man. See, yeah, we're putting the pieces together. Things yeah. I don't really... I remember a lot of things, but I don't remember all the details. Yeah, Raymond Roker, please don't hate me for saying this. He's a great guy, but he was in charge of all that stuff. He was in the marketing area of Herb Magazine, and I guess he got the account with Sion because they're both California-based. And they moved from there, and I guess like the Sion decided to create their own agency, pretty much, and like hire these two agencies, Malbon in New wow, York, yep. and also um, Beyond in Los Angeles area. Uh, that's Irvine. true. Yeah. See, these are the things. These are what I have to do with a podcast because I forget all the details. Yeah, I know them. I remember it now. 
I didn't. <laughs> they had crazy events everywhere. They, I used to go to all the ones like um, they had a really great event going at at CMJ's. I remember when CMJ's was a big deal. Yeah, do you remember that? Of course. Yeah, I miss CMJ's. They're still going on, but not as hard as back in the mid two thousands. I feel though. Well, no, I mean nothing. I, yeah, I don't know because I'm. I mean, I went to the new music seminar in the nineties and stuff. I mean, I always enjoyed that sort of thing. But I think Austin is more conducive to these things. Like South by Southwest wins because it's the weather, mm-hmm. all these people from cold places in Europe and the East coast and stuff and everywhere, but people can come here for a nice week. And back then hotels were 50 bucks a night. Like they're not that anymore, but like mm-hmm. you go to New York, the worst hotel, even 20 years ago was 150 a night mm-hmm. easily. So it was really hard to um, do those things. The best show I ever did for CMJ that kind of changed my life was when we took the screwed up click with Roxy and That's we cool. took ESG, Lil O, Lil Kiki, uh, Big Hawk, may he rest in peace. Uh, Bun B hosted it. Uh, Grit Boys were on the show. Red Handed was on the show, but he was a New York dude. He was cool. Um, I hate that I could forget things like this. I don't think JD DJed that one. May he rest in peace. Yeah. JD DJed some stuff for us up in New York. He might have been a part of that. Did Rapid he move Richardson. up there back then? JD lived in Houston, in New York for a while, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another, man. Like, I talk about our losses and stuff. Like, thank God DJ Chill is still here. You know, like, with Damage Control, JD was the first DJ. And, uh, and, and you know, he started Nasties with DJ Mel way, way yeah. back. Um, and uh, Zen, both gone. May they both rest in peace. It sucks. But... Man, that was a CMJ where I met Dan Seligman from Pop Montreal. I like Pop Montreal, which a lot. like changed my life too. Going, at, you know, being a part of that in any way was just amazing. Got to, I got to do sit downs with JJ Fad, Killer Mike, like sit and talk for like like a discussion there. And there's way more. Jean Grey, lots of cool stuff. It was like Pop Montreal is like the coolest event. I haven't been to it though, but I'm a big supporter of it. Um, I always recommend like send people like, Hey, you guys need to apply to this thing called pop Montreal. It's pretty dope. People go out there. They're actual fans. Mm-hmm. They want to go see you and see new music. And they're actually listening to you back in the day when there was like, um, A&Rs and you know, I don't even know if that position is still a position anymore. Yeah. I don't know. But South by, I mean, uh, pop Montreal was kind of maintained like South by Southwest 1992 vibes. Like, Mm-hmm. chill not that huge but the people that needed to be there were there mm-hmm. you know the real industry the real people who needed to get together and then there was fans and stuff too but it was more like a real gathering of like the canadian music industry with the stuff that was really happening mm-hmm. you know and i mean all these things still happen but we sure did get derailed in the last couple of years yeah and it's interesting have you been going out not too much no I mean, I've been going out differently, if yeah. you know, but it's like, it's like not going out to events or shows as much. Like here and there, I went to go support a couple of local shows. Um, Kid Jones has like a comedy night once a month, yep. which is pretty cool though. It kind of reminds me of like the whole entire, like kind of something you'd see like on, um, like death, death camp, death, death comedy death, death jam. jams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it kind of makes me think about that. When I was like out there, so this is pretty cool. I like the vibe. And, um, but other than that, not really, though. I hate to say that. Yeah, I think I've been going out almost too much, but not not too much. Not like back in the day, but like a lot because there's so many things happening right now. And I feel like it's after these years, having that experience that, that almost doesn't exist to me, like 2020 and 2021, like there's this weird void in my head about it. I know it happened. I was there. We dealt with a lot of things. But like now that everything's happening again, I'm almost like, man, I can't really take it for granted. It's kind of like a I want to. memory. Sometimes I want, sometimes, because I'm always that guy that's like, oh, man, I'm going to go to this show. Yeah. And then it's like 7 o'clock, and I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, so well. no, no, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to go. I told no. them I'm coming. I'm going to go. What's that? That's like I told them I'm coming. I'm going to go. Well, that, can't yeah. Can't be a flake. Well, shit. I mean, Mad Professor is playing in small little Flamingo Cantina. A good venue. Support it. <laughs> you know, it's a like, good show. complain about the commercialization of Austin, which I do. Most people with any sense do. 
but then the real shit happens, go support it. It's like so many venues closed down during that time, that little mind funk and there's these venues that are still open, like Flamingo Cantina that's should have one of those little Austin like icon spots. It's like the reggae bar that's been here forever. It's like ninety one. Yeah, it's, it's this lady that gave her a lot of people a chance, like punk rock, like the like crazy. You see all the pictures on there. It looks like one of those Hollywood restaurants, all these famous people mm-hmm. played there. It's like, wow, holy shit, this person's played here? It's like, yeah, in that little bar. Yep. Yeah, I got to get Angela on the Talk So Real podcast. That would be really cool. Because uh, the amount of shit she's seen at 6th and Red River <laughs> over the years, my <laughs> lord. God. But yeah, I don't know. I, I It's, it's kind of crazy because we get older and think like, oh, this has changed, this is that, but there's still, it's still happening, man. I don't know. My kids are way into a lot of different shit and you know, they go to shows like Machine Girl, The Garden, groups like this, and they're yeah. way into it. Are your kids into Machine Gun Kelly? Fuck no. Good job. Not even slightly. Good job. No, they probably hate him as much as I hate him. <laughs> and to be honest, it's kind of funny. Good they, job. They don't, they're kind of rock kids, man, and electronic, like, they, they like a lot of kind of out there music that's just more in the electronic and more in the rock world, I would think. Hmm. In a sense. And uh, my daughter has like uh, Bjork and Smiths and the Cure stickers on her car. That's cool. My youngest. And so like they're in a, a wide range of different stuff, but they really were never into like a lot of rap and uh, for sure not like poser bullshit like Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. And you know what's funny is a lot of the, you know, a lot of rappers you can't be looked at as a hater. So you always have to like be like, oh, he's successful. That's amazing. Just celebrate his success. That's so good. And it's I like, hate that. fuck off. He sucks. But I remember when Machine Gun Kelly first came out, all these dudes in Houston and stuff were like, yeah, he cool. He real cool. Yeah, he's all right. I'm like, oh, yeah. get this shit out of here, man. Back in the beginning, I was like, this is not good. I remember that. It's dumb. But that whole era, man, was so much dumb shit. It just things like things change, and I think at the moment we're in a good era. Wait, are we talking about two thousand era? In the two thousands, like, well, I look. All right, let's tie it all together. Hollerboard and all these things. Let's go back to holler. All right, time warp back. Back to hollerboard. We were all days. in the mix with like really cool Everyone's DJs and stuff. producers that were doing cool stuff, and a lot of them were sliding into hip hop to an extent, mm-hmm. like and. Mash changing ups. the game a bit with their more kind of electronic, you know, I mean, hip hop, I mean, electro music and all disco, all this stuff came from like, you know, cool, dancey, fun music. But what I think happened in the mid 2000s was with a lot of like, the, you know, everybody being able to make a beat on their laptop or whatever. Ableton. Well, we lost a lot of the funk. The funk was the backbone of so much of the best hip hop that we loved, even if it was jazzy or even if it was down south, this, there was a funk to it. You know, but then these guys came in with the little buttons and so much music went into this sort of EDM, for lack of a better term, sort of world. At first, there was some really cool, interesting shit happening. And then it took over in so many ways to where it was just like, oh, you know, producers used to argue about their drums. These are my drums. Get out of here. Don't take my drums. Now every drum is the exact same. I remember when DJs, producers, supposedly back in the days, it was like telling, like, I like catch them record shopping. Mm-hmm. And I was just like thrifting for clothes, looking for some fashion shit. And they're like, hey, Richard, um, what's up? I'm like, yeah. Like, they're awkward, what's up? And I'm like, hey, uh, don't tell anyone I bought records here, okay? Like, okay. No, it's <laughs> like, that, like that. It was like a different world. Like, it's like, okay. <laughs> But it just, I think like a lot of things in music and culture and stuff, when it catches on too much, it gets out of hand a little bit. It becomes too simple. It's like, it wasn't easy to make a record uh, 20 years ago. No. 25 years ago, especially go 30 years. It was a lot harder, a lot more expensive. Studio. And it's actually really, really cool that so many people do have more access now, but it also is like, means you have to wade through a lot more shit. You know, I mean. Sounds like throwing. Hmm? Sounds like my email. Oh, yeah, garbage. But going through, like, those days, throwing the little parties we did, you know, they weren't changing the world. You know, some party promoters like to act like their party changed the course of history. But 
they were actually unique and something new and were extremely copied because I've seen it through living in a city like Austin. How many times have you seen someone move here from like New York and try to like bring it here? Try to be like, I'm taking over. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Oh, they all say that all the time. How many times? So, so many. I, I see. Oh, I meet them like, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to change the things. We need to like do all this. Like, okay, Mayor, you need to settle down right now. <laughs> <laughs> None of this right now. I'm the sheriff here, buddy. Yeah, there's a lot of that shit. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, <clears throat> but I don't know. It's uh, But we were actually, it was such an exciting time. I mean, to have Bun B and MIA on a song together with Diplo producing it. How hard was that to happen? That sounds like that was like that, that sample song was in the clash. I remember Dewey was telling me about that song a long time ago. That's his old roommate. Yeah. And he said, Yeah, he had that track forever. Then all of a sudden, like your boy Matt like put it on. I'm like, what happened? No, 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 no. But but I mean, well, I I mean, I'll tell you straight up. I I probably had ten conversations with Bun before he did that verse. And uh-huh. I was like, dude, you have to do this. You got to get on this fucking song. And he's like, man, I, I know, I know, I know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Listen, that we went back mm-hmm. and forth a lot. And then Diplo got Rich Boy on. And I was like, man, don't let this song go to Rich Boy. You need to get on this shit. Listen to it, you know. And uh, and he did it and he killed it. And I believe he got a, a Grammy for it. I don't know. I think that song got a Grammy or something like that. I don't know. But it was um, it was a big deal. But that's just one example. No, that was a really good song. I remember that. And um, when Bun was like doing these like um, these like corporate events, Sion show stuff, they had a backing band. He did that MIA song, mm-hmm. and he played that one song as his last song, and everyone like freaked out and lighters in there, like oh my god, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Those times, like in that you know going back to the Sion shows. I mean, those shows weren't just shows. They had Connie Price and the Keystones, uh, mm-hmm. Oregon, like real proper ten piece bands backing like Big Daddy Kane and. Nice and smooth, and MOP and Ghostface Killer and that practice daily, yeah. like a job, yeah, in a studio, <laughs> and coming to Houston, yeah, and Austin. We didn't get Houston for sure. wasn't getting no shit like that until that was starting. We weren't looked at as like a market that was kind of hip for that sort of. That was like the beginning, beginning of like them really bringing in or really trying seeing Houston as like this viable market they needed to be a part of. And it was like the first opportunity for people. I know it was like. Corporate advertising, people are like, oh, corporate shit. But it was just like, um, it was an opportunity for you to be able to see an artist like Grandmaster Flash or someone like that um, in person. You had to pay like $50 or whatever back then. And you got an opportunity to see someone just by giving out your email address, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But yeah, it was a pretty cool time back then. It was better days back then, I feel a little bit slightly simpler times because there wasn't as much of the internet presence we we're talking about. It's mostly like, Message boards, things like that. I think MySpace, your top eight bullshit was out there, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. And I think there was Twitter. Yeah, there was Twitter back then a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. On social media, everything's just kind of like word to mouth, text messages to friends. I remember sending out, I think, like over 100 text messages to people like within days. Just to come out to, hey, free event, da 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 well, yeah, of course. And I mean, that was, things were different. I mean, I think about the days of Fun, Fun, Fun Fest. Oh my God. Those and guys like, are awesome. Transmission, they're now Resound Presents, all great people, man. Um, Graham Williams. But those days, I told him, he says he'll do one of these. He says he'll get on a talk so real. I'm ready, but those Best days. Best person ever. Yeah, man. Um, shit. Just the ma- the mish- mishmash of styles and just hip shit that was going on it was the coolest thing ever. I worked with Graham on the second Fun Fun Fest. He approached me when he had his first one. And um, I forgot how I met him. I met him. He was referred because I was doing promotions for everybody. All of a sudden, because everyone hitting me up and I couldn't say no. I felt bad. I was like, oh, I'll help you out. And I started charging more money and they paid. And I was like, damn it, this is not working. <laughs> I guess I'll just charge more. And um, then Graham hit me up. We met at this Mexican restaurant on Congress, which got bulldozed over. <laughs> it was good food. I'm like, these poor people lost their jobs. And where they're talking about the event, he's telling me at the, this festival he's trying to do, like, hey, I have this festival going on. Um, can you help me out with it? Help me do promo and marketing for it a little bit. And I said, sure. Like, da, da, da. we're going back and forth, talking with ideas. And I just kept helping him out with every single one till the last one. I'm just doing like little light promo stuff. Even got to play one of them. 
But his little festival was amazing because it was like kind of like a culture melting pot of a little bit of everything. It was kind of cool to witness that before all these other people like kind of piggyback and try to do the same bullshit, which everyone does these days. He was like having like a like a punk rock like metal area called a black stage. Then he had like cool like indie rock hipster shit called Orange Stage. And he had a blue stage with DJs and hip hop stuff. Then he had like comedy stage and weird shit on the yellow stage. And a bunch of like local food vendors were there. Um, uh, Will, the guy who owns what's that restaurant? He owns a bunch of restaurants. He's done a lot of good things in Lambert's. Will Lamb, yeah, Will from Lambert's. Yeah. He had his Lambert's barbecue there, and I saw that. There. I was like, who makes fancy, classy barbecue? This is so weird, but I like it. Yeah. And he started his kick there, and like, um, very good person, by the way. And so many people got their start just helping out Graham, and Graham opened up a lot of opportunities, gave people opportunities to play, to opening spots at a lot of his shows, and um, he took care of you. He's a good person. I mean, well, you nailed it there. The diversity of his lineups and stuff were really special back then because a lot of the things did become like, you know, it's all a Live Nation world or the big companies, they put these festivals on, and it's a pretty much same lineup at the Chicago Lollapalooza as would be at the L.A., whatever it is, and all these places, you know, ACL will have similar things. And it's like, this was like totally under the radar, new, hip, mm-hmm. and then also Legends. Mm-hmm. You know, he also brought back Extreme, like, Legends. Like, I feel like, I feel like Slayer and Run DMC were the same year. Or no, they weren't. But they were like, Things like that, like Run DMC played. Who else did he have big? That was huge. Um, a lot. Like I can't even think. It was just like crazy shit. I was just overwhelmed. Like holy shit, he brought Girls Against like, Boys out together. Oh reunion. yeah, that was crazy. Like some crazy stuff like that. He had punk rock, like Rocket from the Crib was like a punk rock band with horns. Yeah, Youth of Today, cool Dag Nasty, all the way up to Judas Priest and Run the Jewels yeah. and. All kinds of cool shit. Like stuff I would never dream, think about seeing ever in my entire life. That was Austin back in the day, which I don't feel nowadays, maybe because I'm just spoiled from all the music I've seen, but it was just intense. I was just mind blown every single time. I was like, oh, wow, we're going to go to this thing. Like, we got to go to every single thing. Oh, my God. And um, it was just crazy well, back then in a good way. Yeah, I mean, things have changed and stuff, but I also then this year we went to Reggae Fest on your birthday oh. or around your birthday, <laughs> around 420. I but, wasn't um, here, but yeah. Went to the Reggae Fest and it was like stepping back in time, man. Really? It was back. Reggae Fest was back, man. Like That's it was cool. packed, all people chilling, smoking in the grass, watching. We saw Anthony B, Luton Fire, and Kabaka Pyramid on the Saturday. Saw lots of old friends. Etika and McPoolish had their own like dub corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, local vendors and all this stuff. It was really like seriously coming, going back to. Uh, the heyday at Auditorium Shore is the same place where Fun 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 was. Those are and the kind of festivals great. I like. Though. Yeah, exactly. Back then, like the small things. The only thing that was comparable to something like that, um, that's like the Fun Fun Fest, Reggae Fest, thing like that, <laughs> um, would probably be uh, this thing called Buckyah Fest in Los Angeles. That was pretty big. It was kind of like pretty much like Portland to Austin back in the day, I feel. And they had kind of similar lineups. They kind of had to like punk rock. Indie rock, rap music. It was pretty good. But yeah, I think they were affiliated. Sorry, you can hear I had to go get the bears. It's required. You have to drink when you do a podcast. It's it's part of it. You could, if the apartment had, didn't have the no smoking policy, we could be like every other podcast and just sit here and smoke weed. Like and, it. Uh, but I've been to a lot of festivals but, my entire life. Like I've pretty <clears> much been to all of them in America. It's kind of crazy and I feel like I really don't tell people, like, oh, you've been on the festivals, cool. But um, been to Coachella at every single one except two. Been to, been to Bonnaroo. Been to Lollapalooza. Governor's Ball. But the ones that stand out, though, I think your friend Heidi, she did. She was working on something really big. The one that was an intern for South what, Park. What, Yes. Oh, that Denmark, one's really yeah. cool. That's huge, insane. I'm always impressed by their lineups. Yeah, that's this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those places, you know, that was that's kind of like what I think about Fun 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 Fest. And what they did here was it was, you know, I tour in Europe with artists and stuff, and and have done it for a long time. And people always talk about the respect for the legends and for music and real stuff over there, as opposed to like you know the kind of cookie cutter stuff that happens here. Even though there's plenty of a lot of amazing stuff here, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. 
but that was kind of more akin to like a classic like festival in Europe or another part of the world that was put together by human beings and not algorithms. There were no algorithms back then. <laughs> what the fuck's an algorithm? <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's so gross. I take like, that class. No. Like, I don't even, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But there's things that are for us and not for us. And I've never been a mainstream type dude, man. But they're all pretty much like, I feel like, it's, again, they're all kind of really similar. You see one at one event, you're going to see all the same acts. It's like, I already know who's going to play at all of them now. This is... I Except mean, Governor's Ball. Governor's Ball is different in New hmm. York. It's pretty been. cool. Are you going to go see Pink at ACL? No. <laughs> Pink and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Man, that's going to be a hard <laughs> one to decide. If they end up on the same night, that's going to be really hard which one to go watch. Coin flip? Yeah, coin flip. You might have to. Or see half and half. You know, walk back and forth. is going to be there. Really? Yeah. Says Casey Musgraves. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I can't fun. wait. Oh, yeah, my so God. So much fun. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's hard, though. I mean, like, I ain't throwing a festival, I'll tell you that right now, so I can't really complain much, but I'd be, I'd have a heart attack. I One drop of rain, I'd, I'd be like, ah! A long time ago, I think maybe like 10 years ago, uh, a guy Clover I was doing local shows with, we tried doing a festival, and um, it, it didn't go as well. <laughs> No, it's like it's so not. much work. Everyone's like off on times. No and way. People wanted it's like, yo, I need to get my wristband. And pay. It's like, we don't have wristbands. It's, what was this like, festival? It was like, I think there's like, it's still like an Instagram for it. I forgot what it was called. It was, um, let me see. That takes a lot of money. Yeah. We're just using all local talents. Mm. Um, it was like already festival. Oh, okay, I remember already. That. It I was like that. at the North Store. It was at Beerland. We had a couple of shows there at Beerland, all one weekend. It was like one, two, three, four venues. I forgot the other one. Um, there was another one, but pretty much when that local Austin festival, hip hop festival, those guys, Weird City, they stopped. I said, "This is you need to keep the ball rolling, guys." Mm-hmm. I said, "Let's try to do something together, and, you know, just give all these people opportunities to play." Yeah, I mean, I was there a part of Weird City a little bit, and it was like, it was something I really think needed more time to grow. I and thought it was cool. The first year was amazing, but it, you know, it wasn't a million people coming out with a lot of money. Like, we had the mm-hmm. Gene Gray and Farrell Monch show did really well. Some did well, some didn't, but it really, um, it needed, it needed a couple more years to pick up momentum, and it was really kind of hard to just... I don't know. But first of all, it was it was at five different venues the first year. The second year, they decided it was going to be at a more of a, a, a big open place, like a festival festival. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. It's like things, it was at a time where tides were turning. Like, for example, <clears throat> I mean, it was like Aesop Rock. Maybe, I don't remember. It was like that sort of level of artists on that Throw festival. backpack. Cool shit that I like. But um, <clears throat> when tickets weren't really selling, I remember when Steve from Herd called me up and was like, man, what can we do? What do you think about adding Post Malone? I had never <laughs> heard of Post Malone. And this is what happened that year. I'd never heard of him. And I, tur- I put on YouTube and, sur- and I was like, hell no. Do not even bring this. Why would you even mention this shit to me? This is horrible. And uh, I hated it. And um, But it just was a thing where it was like, we were, it was that transition of like the kids, man, they were into Post Malone and that type of shit. And they really went into that SoundCloud shitty world of horrible music. Damn, and I feel guilty right now. I would have gone. To Post Malone. Yeah, I know. Yuck, you could have seen him at the club, <laughs> in the small club. But my God, what a moment. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there's still room for all kinds of things. And there's still lots of creativity and great music and things going on. But I think there's just a lot more of everything. Yeah, I just see like a decline in venues in Austin. Just noticing from everything that happened. And I just feel like there should be more people taking up brains. Everyone's just kind of doing copycatting their own things. I remember you were telling me something about saying this Far Out Lounge, this place, and yet I have not gone to yet. And had like really cool creative events there, which I think is really neat. It's dope. I support that. That's what keeps Austin's Austin. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, I want to, if I'm going to stay in Austin, I'm going to have to move south. I want to see some different things happen on the north and things, but like a lot of the cool shit's happening down south. No, south's good. Past you know, the river. Well, far past the river. Past yeah. Ben White. Yeah. 
the Little Darlin, the Far Out Lounge, the... Oh, they're throwing so many good events. I've yet to go to the Little Darlin, though. Yeah. It's like, I don't know who's a booker there or whatever, but they're, do, but they're doing a good job of what they're doing. Yeah, it's super cool and just cool Austin vibes. You know, it's what you want. Red Scoot Inn used to have that, too, when Rufus <laughs> was doing it. Yeah. Now it's a Live Nation venue. Yeah. In those years, like around 2009, 11, whatever those years were, it was the, that was the, I don't remember what years, but earlier than that, that was the only place I would book shows, like, because Mike Flannery was there, Rufus was there. Uh, uh, I'm thinking, I can see their faces, and I, my, the names don't come up as fast as I wish the owners, who are really cool people, too. And uh, they were, they took a chance. They were like, yeah, we'll do hip hop. We'll do whatever. Let's, if you can get some people in here, let's do it. And they even built that outdoor stage, like the Tuesday of South by the first year we made them a South by venue. And my bosses at South by were like, no one is going to go that far. No one's going that far. But it was a different thing. It was, those bars were cantinas back then. Those were Mexican, like straight up cantinas surrounding there. All that. It was a neighborhood. It wasn't the place you walked over to for a show. Like it just wasn't. And then, but the scoot in really, and then the North door when it opened, that area is thriving. It's changed. Hotel Vegas is the one does the coolest shows pretty mm-hmm. much these days, you know, in the Volstead. And so <clears throat> that was, I mean, I was on, on, it might've been NPR, but it was definitely a KUT news thing. And, uh, they came and interviewed me about, you know, is the East side going to change? How's it going to be? Is, can, you know, are you going to be able to, people going to start doing shows over there? I was like, yes, it's huge. They have to, because things were already, We've been complaining about the shop bars on Dirty Six for many years. Nobody wants to perform there. I mean, Flamingo still exists, thank God, but I hate to even say it, but if they moved, that'd be great. <laughs> Get out <laughs> of there. God. Even though I love that room, and I, I'm so thankful that they're still <laughs> still there and they survived and they're, they do it, man. And, and that them being there is like, it's pretty incredible that they, they're still there. But I don't want to go to Six and If I never had to go to Sixth Street ever again... That's fine. I don't know. I just feel like all the venues on 6th Street, nothing against all those guys that own those places, even though I don't go to any of your bars. I apologize. Sorry. But apologize for what? Not going to fucking Coyote Ugly? Yeah, or something like that. I don't go to any of the spots ever. I don't even leave my house. I'm a a hermit. But I just feel like every time I've been during South by an event there, it just didn't go well. The only place that did really well was like Buffalo Billiards, which is closed down the upstairs venue. That was a really good venue. That was. You know who did good their spot. first South by show? There, or maybe not their, their official South by show. There was Odd Future. Holy when shit. When they first started, yeah. 10, 2010, I believe. I had a, I worked on an event up there with um, with a person that used to work at Fader. Do you remember that? She, Lin Yi. Yes. Yep. She had an event up there. Yep. I'm sure Lin Yi does Mold Magazine now. Oh, wow. And she's a mom. Wow. I stay in touch. Yep. Yeah, man. Things have changed. It is what it is. But thank God that, you know, 2020 didn't take a total toll on everything because when that, when those venues were boarded up, it's already a, a, you know, for a while, Austin was very much a tent city and that's a whole nother conversation that we don't need to get into. But like, Uh -uh. When all that stuff was closed down downtown and it was like shit was boarded up to keep people from breaking in and they weren't allowed to open up. And it was just like, I went down just to see it and it was, it was night of living dead like for a minute. And you know, as shitty as a lot of those bars are like, I don't want it to just die. You know, it doesn't, it shouldn't descend all the way into that, but we do need other areas, you know, to see what's happening down South. Incredible. Meanwhile, Brewing is one of the coolest venues you could ever imagine. There's a really little cool area I haven't been to yet, but all my friends are like, hey, Richard, why don't you come down here with us? I'm like, um, I'm like, okay. Then I usually, like, I hate to say I have flake at times and do that. Um, but there's like an area on, on Slaughter in Yeah, Manchac, that's where the far out is. Like right down there, past that, it's like a whole little, the, like rainy street district down there. All these bars yeah. and just hanging out. Everyone that lives in that neighborhood just go out there and just hang out. Um it's happening right now. It's a lot of good spots. Local DJ events over there. It's where it's at, man. And uh, I live 
a little further, you know, I live north of the river, but up by the soccer stadium, there's all those breweries, uh, Hop Squad, Circle, Fourth Tap does it. First Fridays are electronic music. It's all just local producers on First Fridays there. They do mm-hmm. comedy and bands right in the brewery. Like they have a stage. It's really dope. Uh, who else? Who else is up there? Those are the three I like a lot. But there's all these places that are just like ripe for new things to happen. Places that have like parking lots. Mm. You know, the area that I frequent at is like right down the street from where I like literally walk the stones throw away. It's a radio coffee shop. Grimy Styles played there last night. No way. I didn't even know. Last that. minute thing they oh put on Instagram and I had already I live down the street from there and I go to a lot of events there and they always play like cool new music. They have radios like nice. goofy stuff and I I don't know, I just like the environment. Radio had a comedy night and Grimy Styles posted up yesterday that they had a last minute addition to this comedy show. There'll be the musical entertainment at whatever time and I had literally last night committed to staying home and cooking for the family. Looked like and good food. Like, it was good, yeah. But I was like, I'm not going out tonight for anything. Because it's, we keep getting sucked out, man. Like, for real, it's like, to, you want to help and support the people. You'll be out every night. Yeah, no, I can't do that. But I've been out a lot, man. <laughs> we it's, out more than me. It's cra- I, I used to go out a whole lot. But, um, I don't know, this is really hard for me to get out. You just, like, get home, you get stuck in your ways, and you're thinking to yourself, like, oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. The parking and... If we had a better public transportation, you know, Ubers were still 20 bucks, <laughs> 15. Yeah. They're not. They're spendy. Know. Shit, the gas is 469 right here. Shit. It's insane. So things have changed. It is what it is. We're older. That is what it is. I like my couch, but all these great people here creating and doing cool things, coming to town. I'm down. That's how we met. We wouldn't have met if we were just sitting around doing nothing. No. Going to an event, so I was like thinking like, oh, this guy does stuff too. He has really cool stuff. This is like I'm interested in that. And we have mutual friends, so it works out. So Yeah, it did. Well, we have crossed that one hour line, man, and on Surge is the only person I'm gonna talk to for two and a half hours. I don't even know how that happened. I, I really was don't know really how that happened. I'm really hoping for that hour line to come. Yeah. <laughs> I hate talking on the phone. We're not on the phone. It's like the same this thing. Is life. This is real life <laughs> shit. You know how many people are anticipating this podcast, man? They've been waiting their Zero. whole life to hear this. Ex-girlfriends. Serge will listen. No, he won't. Yeah, he's going to listen. He's going to say, did Richard ride his bike over there? No, he's going <laughs> to listen. And uh, we're going we're gonna to bring back the whole hollerboard experience. Okay. Was Serge to, on the hollerboard? I'm going to put it on LinkedIn. Yeah, he was on. So was DJ Steph. May she rest in peace, I my know. girl. I know. She was really sweet. I was kind of hurt by that. I, thought, I was, like, I was what extremely a sweet hurt person. by that. That was the worst. But that, um, I you know, think about who was on the hall. I mean, Classen, Jeff, all the people from, te- all when we started getting into that, Texas didn't like, take it over by any means, but there was a Texas invasion. A bunch Squinty of Houston Jones, people. Those guys, Data. Squinty Data. I still talk to Data a lot. He rides bikes now, too. Dope. He do a bunch of stuff. He's a working DJ still. He keeps in touch with Jester. You should get Jester on here. He'd Gracie, be hilarious. All that. No, we and Jester talk about it all the time, but he's a he's a flight attendant, so he's in and out all the time. I if love his not, Instagram pages, his pictures. It shows him being goofy on the Yeah, plane. and if he's not working, he's he's traveling. He's kicking it. So <laughs> Jester. Like no, that. Jester's got to do one for sure soon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all those people, man. Like, like I just mentioned Caps and Jones, and I actually not too long ago pulled out Moving in Stereo, and it was the CD was skipping. So I'm, I'm assuming it's somewhere online. Mm-hmm. I can listen to it again on there. But shit, catch. I'm gonna make sure Catch Dubs hears this. Nick Catch Dubs. Yep. Good people. Who else? He's a really good guy. Met him through Fader Magazine a long yep. time ago. He used to be like the music contributor or something like that. Yeah, he's great. Serge even mentioned Uffy on the podcast. Weird. Maybe Uffy will listen if you're Maybe. on. It. Maybe France. she'll want to hear you. <laughs> yep. Pooja is the. The boss of Pitchfork. No way. Yes, she is. No way. She's the head editor or whatever. She's like the boss boss of Pitchfork. Pooja. Pooja Patel. I'm sorry about that dinner with friends in New York if you listen to this at the CMJs with Cornerstone. I'm sorry, but you'll get over it. Oh, I'm sure she's over it. She's (laughs) she's the boss. Killing it. It's amazing. Uh, There's so many, man. Like so many people from our 
that we were connected with. No, those are really good times. I want to get them all on here. No. It'd be nice to hear from Pooja what she's up to. She did a lot. She was like doing a whole the big thing in Baltimore too for a while. Oh yeah. With like Cullen and James Nasty and all Cullen. those guys. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Levins. Yeah. Australia. Mm-hmm. Spank Rock. Shit. What's his name? Benny uh Benny the Butcher? No. Benny uh, <laughs> Benny Blanco, who produced yeah. a lot of like the Spank Rock and stuff back then. That dude's one of the guy. biggest, most in, in demand producers in the world. No, he's pretty big right now. Huge. Been big. From like producers from then who are now, I think uh, who's doing really good right now. I haven't ever seen anything from A Tracks. He's still doing he's still killing it. Well, I know that, but I haven't seen him like like what has he like He's like huge right now. And that's kind of, I don't thing. mean, I don't listen to rap or whatever. <laughs> so I don't know, but I have seen him and he's still very active. I see him on the socials and things mm-hmm. doing it. And well, Fool's cool. Gold still exists. No, Fool's Gold is a great label. A lot of people like, um, listen to their tracks. I heard a lot of stuff on traveling and stuff. It's like, Oh, you ever heard of Fool's Gold? I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit's happening. Well, shoot. Thank well, you for having me on here. Really thank you for doing it. this, man. I had to, I told the people you're coming. I'm going to get Richard on here. <laughs> I told him, and it happened. It's real. I just felt like this, like, fulfilled people's time for an hour. We learned a lot about nothing, which is awesome. Well, if you yeah. listen to Serge, the podcast I did with Serge, we discussed that because when he first, I didn't know what podcasts were at first, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, people listen to each other talk? Okay. I, I know how to do that. Yeah. That's one of the one, well. few things I know how to do. So I might as well give it a whirl. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's always good to connect. Good to see you make an excuse to get us together. Things like this. Mm-hmm. Have some beers. If people would like to get in touch with you or connect with you online, do you have, you want to give them your socials, your contacts? Yeah. It's, um, on Instagram, it's Richard underscore Henry. Mm-hmm. So just send me a DM there or whatever. Um. Yeah. Yep. And I am Toxo Realist on the Twitter and on mm-hmm. the Instagram. And Matt at PusherMania.com is the email. I'd love to hear from you. If you are out there, please get in touch. And like I always say, tell a friend to tell a friend about Toxo Real with Matt Sunzala, the new podcast that is uh, blowing minds from coast to coast. I'll tell you right now, it's, it's blowing up. Y'all better get on this train now before it takes off all the way out the station and you're just left in the fucking dust, okay? It's coming. Appreciate everybody for listening. And uh, like I say, we're going to try to be even more consistent. We got more and more coming up. We got Richard here. That wasn't easy. Uh-huh. Not simple, man. But it's coming. Thank you once again. Talk so real. It's the movement.